Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, and his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Good morning. Welcome to Accelerate OC. I'm Carrie Ransom. And thanks always to our engineer, Paul, for making me and my guests sound so good. Today's episode is sponsored by my friend, Jeff Martin at Collective Genius. He has a recruiting firm for high growth companies and venture capital firms, but he also offers an offsite planning program called Peak Planning. And this time of year, fourth quarter, as you're starting to think about 2020, what Jeff will do is take your team, senior team offsite and help you really get aligned on your next year's plan, a three-year vision, and all the tools and everything to keep you on track once your new year starts. So if you're interested in learning more about peak planning, hit me up. Happy to introduce you to Jeff. I'm really excited uh, to have Nick Kovacevich on with me today. And before we get to hear about him, he's uh, done a bunch of different startups. We're going to talk mainly about his current company. Uh, But I want to give you a little bit of an introduction to Nick first. He's currently the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Kushko Holdings, which is a publicly traded company and one of the few here in the U.S., um, but he's providing ancillary products and services to businesses operating in various industries, but particularly in legal cannabis and CBD. And he was formerly known as Kush Bottles before changing his name to uh, Kushko. So Nick became the CEO about five years ago, and he's grown the company astronomically in that time. They were a couple million in revenue or a little under when he got there and just a handful of people. And now they're on track to do nearly $150 million in revenue. And he's now uh, has several hundred people in the company. He's diversified the company into multiple different areas of business. And they also are now operating in a multitude of states and even multiple countries. So it's an international company as well. Prior to that, he actually was part of uh, co-founding another successful company here that many people probably see as they're driving down the 55 uh, called Big Rents. And Big Rents is a leader in the online commercial equipment rental space and really has helped digitize that. He was a co-founder. He's still on the board today. And he also has a number of other business holdings as well. Um, One thing I wanted to draw attention to, um, he's particularly tall and much taller than I am, but we share a love for basketball. He was the captain of his college basketball team at Southwest Baptist University, and that was always a dream that I had growing up in Indiana. Uh, So we'll probably have to talk a little bit of hoops today as well. And, you know, not only was he a a strong athlete, but he had uh, really high distinction in his academic career there as well. I think he was born an entrepreneur. He's had multiple companies. Uh, he was involved in a company called Pack My Dorm that uh, was clearly a university or school-related business. And so uh, I actually had a dorm-related services business when I was in college where we would build docs for students in their dorm room. So so if we have time, we'll, uh, we'll chat about dealing with college students and their parents <laughs> as well. Um, but the other thing I want to really draw attention to is he, um, through Kushko, he's become a real industry expert in cannabis. And he speaks a lot. Uh, he writes a lot. And I want to talk about, you know, he doesn't necessarily come from the industry as far as growing. And he's been in it now for several years, as I mentioned. But I want to talk about even developing industry expertise, because I think it's something that 
not enough entrepreneurs spend time really thinking about how to develop that point of view and how that can be strategic for their success and for their future and for their company. So um, he's a he is an expert. Uh, I've seen it firsthand. And so I want to talk a little bit about that as well today. So we got a lot. I don't know if we're gonna have time to cover it all, but um, lots to talk about. Nick, it's really good to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'll try to talk fast because I know there's a lot of good stuff to go. <laughs> yeah, cover. it's a lot of good stuff. So let's get to the starting line here at Accelerate OC. Talk to the uh, audience about Kushko and sort of you know how it came to be and, and where you are today. Yeah, so Kushko Holdings, originally Kush Bottles, and it was really a simple theory that uh, me and my business partner, Dallas and Bimbo, who we both played high school basketball together. Awesome. Uh, so we go way back. Built and we were, team. Yeah, we were looking at this industry, and uh, growing up, my dad was a prosecutor and a judge at one point, mm-hmm. and used to put people in prison for marijuana in the 70s and 80s. We looked at this sector that was, you know, kind of emerging these, this medical cannabis sector in mm-hmm. California and thought, wow, this would be exciting to get into as a young entrepreneur. Not too often are you able to go into a space where there's not a lot of incumbent players. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of resident knowledge and you've got the opportunity to be on equal footing with everybody and you're knocking on a lot of doors that aren't typically knocked right. on. Uh, so we wanted to play in the space, but the question was how and looking at you know, how do we minimize risk here? We don't want to go to jail. Mm-hmm. And that's when we came up with this idea of being involved in the industry, being involved in almost every single transaction, but doing it with the packaging, mm-hmm. not the product itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the original thesis. And we were you know, young entrepreneurs that had some early success with Pack My Dorm, which was a business that Dallas started in college while he was at UC Davis. And a business that I later got involved in after college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had a little bit of capital uh, from that. Uh, but we basically put the, put our money toward ordering product from China, mm. shipping it in, and then hitting the streets and seeing if we could sell. And we built the business organically. Um, and it was a tough market at the time. And all of a sudden, in 2014, Colorado legalized and regulated for adult use. Mm-hmm. We, we thought, hey, this is a huge opportunity. We saw our sales go from 20,000 in Colorado to a million the next year Wow! Uh, because of this and thought, well, this isn't going to be the only state that does this. Mm-hmm. So why don't we make a real play here? And that's when I came back to the company. I was one of the founders in 2010, but I wasn't involved day to day. I came back to the company to be the CEO September 2014. Okay. And we wanted to uh, accelerate the growth. And obviously, to do that, you need capital. Mm-hmm. So that's where we, you know, Hit a, hit a wall. Nobody wanted to invest in cannabis at the mm-hmm. time. There was no venture capital firm mm-hmm. you could go to. We saw a couple companies that had gone public and they'd done it through reverse mergers and, and they were experiencing these hypervaluations. And yeah, they weren't accessing institutional capital at those rates, mm-hmm. but their ability to raise capital was certainly much greater than ours sure. was at the time as sure. a private company. So that's the path we started down. Even though we were a very young company, mm-hmm. we were doing a couple million dollars in sales. And the net result of that, uh, when you fast forward, is we were able to get the company public. We were able to access some of that capital. Mm -hmm. The capital situation improved dramatically uh, over the years as this thing became more mainstream. We were able to use our stock as currency to make acquisitions to diversify the business. And the net result was, you know, here five years later, 2019, fiscal year just ended. We guided between 145 and $150 million of sales. Mm -hmm. And that's across four unique 
product category, so not just a packaging company mm-hmm. anymore. Um, so that's where we're at today. Uh, we are, Our next goal as a company is to uplist onto NASDAQ because we're still traded mm-hmm. on the OTC. Mm-hmm. Um, so still a lot more to do, but we're very pleased with the accomplishments we've had. Yeah, that's an amazing story. And, and I think, you know, for those, I'm sure as you were talking to folks uh, around here or around the country who've done that early public listing that there's been mixed results over the years, but I think you saw a big, I'm guessing you saw a big real business that you were building and that capital opportunity was just too critical to that to support that growth and exactly i mean yeah. it's it's very rare that you would uh have a, an opportunity to basically you know keep up with the market mm-hmm. and see the type of growth that we're doing we didn't have to invent anything new it was okay. like okay well we know washington's next mm-hmm. we know oregon's next yes. nevada's next california and you just keep up with these states that are sure. coming online and you get the growth there you just got to do a great job of, of managing your customer service sure. managing your operation and diversifying to where you see this industry going and that's where as you mentioned you know becoming an, an industry expert is extremely important mm-hmm. to the strategy behind the business because this is a very dynamic set sector that's emerging and there's things in the market today that weren't even around four or five years ago so you have to really be in tune if you plan to capitalize on all these high growth areas yeah absolutely and and i mean ultimately you start to look i would guess um I mean, my experience has been much more on the tech sector but that kind of hyper growth i mean your your revenue growth and team growth is much more akin to a high-tech startup in many respects yeah it is and and you mentioned big rents a company that me and my co-founder Dallas and Bimbo, along with a couple other partners, Steve Jessen, who was the guy with the idea, we started it in 2012, actually in the same office that we were running Kush bottles mm. out of, which was in Santa Ana. And we experienced that hyper growth right out the gate. We went from you know half a million dollars in sales to nearly four million dollars the next year to 15 the year wow. after, and you know over 25 million the year after that. So we were we experienced that, and luckily with with the tech company there are avenues to access capital mm-hmm. and, and we certainly mm-hmm. needed capital to keep up. But what was interesting is, you know, the difference with the tech companies, you can build a lot of this infrastructure, you know, with systems and software that's highly scalable mm-hmm. and you can just ramp up right right on uh, on top of that. With our business at, at Kushco, we're we're moving physical goods. Mm-hmm. So to grow at the rate that we've been growing, which every year we've grown at least 100% in the last five years, this year, uh, depending on where we, we end up, will be you know close to 200%. Wow. To do that, that means we have to move double, or in this mm-hmm. case, triple mm-hmm. the amount of goods, which means you need you know more people, more production, more facilities. So there's just a lot more infrastructure that goes with a distribution company than a technology company. Sure. And so we've been experiencing that hyper growth and, and trying to manage it. And, and it's also very cash intensive. So there's been a lot of challenges. The good news is, right, with the sector that we're in, there's been a lot of momentum and that has finally now cooled off. And so now we're dealing with those dynamics and having to make some adjustments to the new world, which is, you know, less capital access to cannabis than we've seen in the last two to three years. So, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. As you were getting off the ground, was there a temptation when Colorado first legalized to move to Colorado and say, oh, we'll be at least around the people who, who get it? Or, I mean, you know, because staying here in Orange County, it's taken a little while for California to really 
jump into it. Yeah, it has. I mean, the good news is California is the biggest cannabis yeah. market in the world. Mm. And, um, you know, really LA is the central hub, although they've done a lot of things wrong in terms of rolling out their licensing. Um, so we're very close to LA. Orange County's taken actually a leadership role, specifically the city of Santa Ana, mm-hmm. uh, which is coincidentally where we founded the company in 2010. Mm. So we've been in a good place. And I think there was a desire to get to Colorado when they legalized. The reality is we didn't have capital to do it. Mm-hmm. And so we, when Colorado started going gangbusters, the first thing we wanted to do was open a facility and build a team there. We realized that we didn't have the capital to do that. So instead, we partnered with somebody who mm-hmm. had a facility and a team a company called Dank Bottles that basically spun up to be a distributor of our products in the state. Mm-hmm. And they were our exclusive distributor. And they did really well out the gates and, and for that first year so much that after one year, we actually acquired them. Okay. So that's the then way that capital. we got our mm-hmm. infrastructure in, in Colorado because of the fact we did it. We had limited capital available when this whole thing took off. Yeah. But, you know, also uh, serendipitous, it sounds like. So I'm, I'm going to pick up on one thing you said earlier when you first started, and I don't think enough entrepreneurs do this, which is just get in the game and go door to door, go out and find the market, find the customer. So you said you guys were out selling. Where did that come from? Is that just part of what you've done in your life or who you are or, or what what gave you guys that drive to say, we just need to go knock on doors because not everybody will do that. Yeah, I think uh, definitely give credit to my partner, Dallas, uh, who's the ultimate hustler, always has been that way, even on the basketball court. You know, this guy, he's in a new business now. He actually, I went to visit him yesterday. He had me out on the production line, Mm. you know, zipped up in in my gown and cap working, right? And he he was right there with me. And Mm -hmm. so he likes to to get his hands dirty and really understand the business from the ground mm-hmm. up. And the number one thing, because Dallas and I have done a lot of investing as well, the number one thing that Dallas likes to see with startups is traction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have the capital, but go out there and, and, and generate some sales. Mm-hmm. Um, show that your product's fitting in the market. And you know, we did that uh, when we got the container ordered. We knew there was a lead time. We went and found some product locally and basically went and sold it at cost just to start opening up those doors. So Mm -hmm. by by the time our container landed, we already had accounts that we could distribute Mm -hmm. the product to. So that's the type of groundwork that we Mm -hmm. did. uh, And I don't think that's... Uh, ultimately ever left our DNA. Um, although now we have, you know, 250 employees or so it's, mm-hmm. it's a whole, it's a totally different ball game, but still willing to get our hands dirty, still want to understand the market and you need to be in the job mm-hmm. to really understand the business. Yeah. That's a, that's a great story. As, as I was saying to you ahead of time, you know, growing up in a family business, like I did, I, I got it. My dad handed me a broom when I was 10 years old and said, Hey, there's some sawdust over there in the corner. Go, <laughs> go clean it up. And, and I think it taught me and I saw him do it. And that idea of never asking somebody to do something and that he wouldn't do or, mm-hmm. and, and so that DNA of, Hey, we, we can be hustlers. We can be creative about how we get into markets. That can be a cultural norm that lasts with the company, even as you get into that. And Absolutely. I'm sure if I go talk to some of your people, they probably feel that as well. Yep. That's really, really cool. Well, let's let's go under the hood a bit. I mean, we talked about that, you know, you have a, a bunch of different product lines now, but there's a lot of focus here in the, the cannabis and, and CBD industry. And obviously, on the national scale, that's a big popular topic, but also one that has still some unsettled mm-hmm. decisions or a lot of questions that still kind of surround it. So 
how are you dealing with that open, still open questions as for your planning? And I mean, you're, you're saying, you know, you're going to grow 200% next year, hopefully. There's still a lot of questions out there. Um, so how are you navigating that as you think about investing and planning yeah and as a public company i i didn't say we, we intend to grow yes, 200 I, I said, I could, this this could last fiscal year <laughs> if we hit our numbers we'll be at about 200 i got you, I got you. sorry about uh, that. so you know i think one thing that has become my life uh is lawyers mm. and we have in-house lawyers at our company we work with several uh, very prestigious law firms for different areas mm-hmm. of guidance so you, you know with with our sector you know it's really rare that you'd have you know such concern consumer demand and so many markets opening up, but still not a lot of clarity in terms of the the mm-hmm. federal regulations. And in fact, cannabis, THC, still remains federally illegal. Mm-hmm. And cannabis is a Schedule One drug, which is up there with heroin and LSD. And drugs like meth and cocaine, in the federal government's eyes, are actually better. They're on a Schedule Two. Amazing. So it makes no sense. And obviously, it's going to change. Yes. Uh, but you know how the government is, so it's going to take time. So in the interim, you know, for our business, we don't touch the plant. Now, if you're touching the plant and you're growing, manufacturing, retailing, or distributing cannabis, you can be state legal, city legal, mm-hmm. totally compliant, but you can never be federally legal as long as At cannabis remains yeah. Schedule One. For our business, because we don't touch the plant, there is a big piece of federal law called the Controlled Substance Act. And so we really have to look to that document to figure out the legality of our business. And we've done that with uh, actually Reed Smith did a lot of work. Um, They're very up Mm -hmm. to speed on the Controlled Substance Act. We did a lot of work because we're in preparation for NASDAQ. We just got a $50 million credit facility from a $10 billion fund called Monroe. And the diligence was very deep because it was Mm -hmm. the first of its kind for this sector. And there's a lot of regulatory requirements that we have to uphold because of that relationship. Um, So we've done a lot of work. And when you go through the Controlled Substance Act, there's clear call-outs. If you're a landlord leasing to a federally illegal operator or cannabis company, Mm -hmm. you're actually in direct violation of the Controlled Substance Act. Now, for companies like us that sell products, there's a lot more nuances Are your products only intended for cannabis use or are there other uses? Mm -hmm. Do you have a vested interest or a stake in these companies? So we can never do a rev share model, right, Mm -hmm. with our customers. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that we've had to do regulatorily and we've had to build these boundaries and we have a full compliance deck that's Mm -hmm. available online so that we can sleep at night and know that our company is in good position and we can get some of the partnerships that we've been able to have and and eventually uplist the company onto NASDAQ and do a lot of these bigger things. You have to be legal. And for us, it's a very dynamic environment with a lot of nuances. So we spend a lot of time there making sure that we're doing the things the right way. Sure. That's, That's great. So you were talking about, you know, you originally sourcing your product overseas. Has there been any thought about making or are you starting to make anything here? Well, our company has has become very broad in terms of the Mm -hmm. types of product we offer. We actually sell butane gas and ethanol. Mm -hmm. Our butane comes from Houston, Mm -hmm. uh, Texas area. And we also sell packaging as as was our original Mm -hmm. uh, kind of core product set. And a lot of that still comes from China, although we have onshored product when when it makes sense to do so from a price standpoint. We do a lot of our plastic production in Denver, Colorado. We actually Mm -hmm. do some plastic production um, in Santa Ana. So we've been able to figure out some products that we can bring on shore, but uh, the vape products, which is actually a big part of our business, selling the vape cartridges and the hardware empty to the customers and brands that then fill them with oil, mm-hmm. uh, those products all come out of China, primarily the Shenzhen area. And 
nobody's figured out how to bring those products domestically or even to Mexico or, or mm. some other countries. So right now with the trade war going I on. Say, I was going to ask if you get caught up in any of that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a big issue. Now, the good news for us, I think our stock has been negatively affected by the trade war. But the good news is we're not a consumer company. Mm -hmm. So if you have a good that's at market, say a filled vape pen, it's going to retail for $50. The components that we're selling behind that are two to four dollars mm -hmm. so it's a small piece the oil is the biggest cost mm -hmm. that's produced domestically mm -hmm. so if you had a 25 percent tariff to a two dollar item that's 50 cents mm -hmm. 50 cents on a 50 dollar retail different yeah it's not really something that's going to impact the consumer. So mm -hmm. people think tariffs are going to impact consumer demand because costs are going to go up. It's not necessarily the case with us because we're a b2b mm -hmm. components provider sure yeah it makes sense so that's a good transition into I mean, it just your explanations are so sharp, Nick. And I think, you know, I mentioned at the outset, you, you've really developed a leadership position in this industry. Talk to us about how, how did you do that? I mean, as you look back, I mean, sometimes you just end up there. I've had that happen to me in industries that I had no real business becoming a thought leader in because I just had an opinion. Did you really intend to say, hey, we need to do this because it's going to be good for our business or... How did you end up in that spot? Great question. I haven't really thought about it, but uh, off the top of my head, first and foremost, uh, you know, I think it's a really unique opportunity that I am an industry expert I'm turning 34 years old in December. So I'm relatively young. Sure. And had this been a traditional sector, you'd have people that had, done, had been doing this business longer than I'd been alive. And how am I going to go in and say, hey, I'm the expert. So because I'm in a new sector that nobody's really known um, in terms of the legal market, it's only been around for, you know, 10, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Well, our company's almost 10 years old. Sure. So I've been in the sector as long as anybody in terms of the legal side of cannabis. And so I have the ability to be in that leadership position when it comes to expertise. Um, so that's number one. And then, you know, developing it has been a factor of number one, our marketplace. And we deal, we're one of the few companies that has broad exposure to mm -hmm. all of the operators. So we work with mom and pop companies. We work with regional brands, trending brands, brands in, in hot markets like California. We also work with the multi-state operators that are in these limited licensed medical markets like mm -hmm. Maryland and markets like Pennsylvania and Florida. So understanding the broader market here in the U.S., we also work with Canadian LPs who are expanding their business globally, mm -hmm. companies like Canopy Growth and Aurora that are looking at global footprints. So because we have this broad customer base, just in meeting with our customers and understanding their business, I'm able to learn a lot. Whereas a lot of these operators that are focused in one region or one area, they're going to know their business, they're going to know their market, but they're not going to know the broader mm -hmm. global sector as well as we are because it's our job to do so. Sure. So it's, it's the market is one thing. And then the other thing is being a public company. We were one of the first legitimate companies to go public. We did so in 2016. We were the first company in the sector in the U.S. to get Wall Street coverage from mm -hmm. a major uh, analyst, uh, which is Cowan and Company, Vivian mm -hmm. Azar, uh, started covering the stock in late 2016. Um, now we have eight analysts that cover the stock. Wow. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and growing, right? And if we're able to uplist on the NASDAQ, assume sure. that number is going to increase significantly. Because of that leadership role as a public company, I've been on the road a lot meeting with institutional investors, mm -hmm. and many of these investors are trying to understand and learn the space. And so they're looking to me for guidance. And so I've developed a lot of industry expertise and knowledge to be able to share and help a lot of these institutional investors. I looked at it the first you know, couple of years that I, we were public. 
was I was meeting with institutional investors that I knew weren't going to invest in the cannabis sector. Mm -hmm. But if I didn't teach them about sure. this industry and get them yep. learning, they would never come in. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to start building that and teaching these guys and getting them up to speed, knowing that in one or two years' time, they might be an investor in the sector and they might be an investor in Kushko. Yeah, that's that is amazing. I mean, that uh, I think taking that long view and sort of leading by example, yeah, that is a big theme that I feel like is coming through a lot of the guests that I have on Accelerate OC. I applaud you for that. And I think that that's a big, I think it, it actually, I, I have this, this sense that it's actually in the DNA of a lot of the people here that have maybe a bigger purpose where they go, Hey, you know, I'm going to go build a great business, but I can, I can be a leader in my industry. I can, and I'm, I'm sure I, I, as a transition question, I'm sure you're getting a lot of entrepreneurs in this space because Orange County seems to be percolating a fair bit in cannabis and CBD that are coming to you for that advice or counsel or feedback on their ideas in this space now. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, one of the things that you know, I love to do is be able to lend that advice and feedback, you know, and, and help some of these younger entrepreneurs. And I think as somebody who's really deep in their business and, and still in that growing mm -hmm. growth phase, you don't always have the time, sure. as, especially as a public company. Um, but that's something where we're, you know, we're constantly looking at um, investing in the community, investing in entrepreneurs. And we've partnered with a lot of young companies to help them go to mm -hmm. market. Mm -hmm. And that's something we want to continue to do. Sure. Yeah, that's that's how you build a, an ecosystem. Right. I mean, exactly. uh, I was having a conversation with somebody earlier this week about Ingram Micro, who has been in Orange County for a long, long time and is a 40 plus billion dollar a year company distributor. And this gentleman was saying that back in the early 90s, every major tech company was here in Orange County because Ingram was their distributor. Mm -hmm. Right. They mm -hmm. were that was how you got your software in the box distributed out. In, and I'm sure that's sort of a vision of what you see for what what you guys are doing yeah exactly i think we've invested a lot in in orange county and it's a great place to live but it has yet to become really a great place for startups and disruptor companies to mm -hmm. to be built so i, I want to see that change and i think our sector is a some, something that you know can really gain foothold because you know it's not you know like tech that has deep roots in silicon mm -hmm. valley and mm -hmm. you know some of these other areas it's, it's really a new industry and and there is no i mentioned you know la sort of forming as an unofficial hub. Orange County certainly has the opportunity to be a hub. Sure. And Santa Ana is taking a leadership role, so we commend that city. But we want to see more companies in Orange County. And with this sector booming, we have seen that. We've seen companies start up mm -hmm. here. We've seen CBD companies. You know, we talked about a few before mm -hmm. the show. Mm -hmm. And part of our vision for a company is to power the global cannabis ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And so we look at ourselves as somebody who does power these businesses, mm -hmm. whether we're providing them with packaging, whether we're providing them with components, or whether we're helping them go to market, which is what we're doing now for our CBD brands, mm -hmm. and get them into mainstream distribution. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to do that, it'd be great to be able to focus those efforts on companies right here close to home, sure. uh, which is something that we're we're certainly working on. Sure. Well, and you can have a bigger impact that way, right? You can, it's just by proximity and, you know, we, we spend a, a lot of time talking about this notion of talent clusters and mm -hmm. you get density of talent amongst a group of companies and uh, with a focus on an industry. And, and I, I do believe that, like you said, that Orange County has every reason to become a, a real hub in this space, even with 
as much lack of clarity, but it, it just it, it's clear that it's moving forward and that um, there are, the, the, as you were saying earlier, consumer demand continues to grow even with questions out there. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the most, signal. you know, that's the most exciting thing about this sector and, and what you know, we've often said is you, there's never been anything like this. You know, take any fast-growing sector; it's typically modeled, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you're looking at VCRs, right, you're like X amount of homes have a VCR mm-hmm. today, and we expect Y amount okay. is going to have a VCR tomorrow. Well, with cannabis, it's so unique because everybody's already consuming it; they're just doing it in the illicit market mm-hmm. primarily. And so, we're not thinking if and when it legalizes in New York. Are people going to consume? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? They're already consuming in New York, but they we need a legal framework to be able sure. to start to transition those sales from black to mm-hmm. white. And so there's never been anything like that, and that's why it's so exciting because uh, we just sit here and say, when? When these states legalize, we know the market's there. We're going to take advantage and capitalize on it, and that's one of the reasons that we wanted to make sure we had access to capital because the last thing we wanted to do was have a big brand new market open up and then not be able to take advantage of it like was almost the case with us in colorado sure and luckily we were able to find a partner but we want to have the capital and balance sheet mm-hmm. to be there ourselves and continue to be a first mover in these new markets sure well and I, and I would say on top of that you have a market like cbd that has the potential to not just turn a illicit market legal but with the science and the increased amount of activity there it, it could be an coming a, a common ingredient into a whole array of things as it's being experimented with right now yeah and you, it, cannabis is such a diverse plant mm-hmm. you you have thc you have cbd there's also a lot of other mm-hmm. cannabinoids the cbn cbg thcv there's a lot of these cannabinoids that who knows where, where mm-hmm. they're going to go? And CBD is a great example that's, you know, we're seeing it as a consumer lifestyle product. We're seeing it as a nutraceutical product. We're seeing it as a pharma grade product mm-hmm. with GW Pharma's Epidiolex, FDA approved drug that's helping with epilepsy and seizures. Mm-hmm. So it's so diverse. And, you know, again, our biggest challenge is not where's the growth opportunity. It's we've got 10 doors. Mm-hmm. Which one is going to give us the most growth? Mm-hmm. They're all growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we go down a door or path, that's 20 or 30% growth, most businesses would say that's great. Right. Yeah. For us, that's a failure. Hmm. We picked the wrong door. Hmm. So we have to invest our efforts in where we see tremendous upside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a good problem to have, but it's a problem nonetheless. Sure. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Well, Paul's giving me a little bit of time sign here and i knew this was coming so we're probably not going to have to table the the basketball talk for another day unfortunately <laughs> you know you you're an entrepreneur you're here in orange county um before we wrap up you know we just love your thoughts on you know how do you feel you mentioned you know capital being uh, a bit of a challenge here but what do you feel like it, it's like to be an entrepreneur in orange county and what do you feel like we can do better as a community a lot of the folks that listen to this show are folks that really are committed to making this a better connected, supportive community for the job creators like you guys. So what can we do? And, and you know, how, how's your experience been? And I talked about this before the show, but I think there's a lot of money in Orange County, mm-hmm. but it's a typically a different profile than you'd see in, in the big cities or, or in, certainly in Silicon Valley. People look for safer, you know, yields. Real estate is big in Orange mm-hmm. County, and there's not as much appetite for early stage and, and tech and high growth. Cannabis is a bit of an outlier because mm-hmm. it's something that now is a hot topic and everyone kind of wants a piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think our sector is something that can actually bring people into a investment style that's that's 
different than what they're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we can create a lot of returns. I mean, one of the things that I look forward to is creating value for our shareholders, making people a lot of money mm-hmm. with the hopes that they can then reinvest yes. and deploy that money into new startups and new entrepreneurs. So I think the flywheel of capital, which we talked mm-hmm. about, is very important. That has not really gotten going yet in Orange County. So I think you know, there's a lot of great businesses in Orange County. There's a lot of big businesses in Orange County, but now there's a lot of startups that are becoming more known and, and companies like us that are high growth, that are a little beyond the startup phase, you know, that are publicly traded that, you know, I think could be a bridge to getting some of these investors comfortable. Yeah, we're not a, a real estate asset that's a 9% sure. yield that's very safe, but we're also not an early stage tech company that could, you know, is boom or bust, that's right. right? We're somewhere in the middle. So being Until able you to have product yeah. market fit at this point. Yeah, yeah. So that, I think that's the goal. <laughs> And, and, you know, hopefully we can contribute in a small way. I know there's a lot going on, but we'd like to see Orange County. It's, it's got a ton of capital and it's got a lot of smart people. And we'd like mm-hmm. to see the dynamics um, start to create a better business environment and, and give opportunity to bring more talented people to our county so that we can, you know, really stand out as as a stronghold in a lot of sectors, but certainly in, you know, companies that are exciting and, and fast growth. That's awesome. Well, Nick, thank you so much. Last question. I always leave my audience with input from the guest on a lesson or key piece of advice they'd love to give. So a lot of entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs in the audience, what's a piece of advice or a lesson that you've learned as you've done a number of these companies that you'd love to share with the audience? Well, I think the the biggest lesson that I've learned, uh, especially in my sector, you know, we have a saying at the company that the only thing that we can count on is that there will be further change, mm-hmm. right? And so embracing change and understanding that things are going to change is highly dynamic and not getting married to any one idea mm-hmm. or philosophy. That's the biggest problem that I see where, you know, people don't adapt and don't change in time. And we've created a culture where we react, we change. We're not married to any idea. If somebody, if I've had things that I thought was a great idea, and five minutes, you know, five days later, five months later, I find out it wasn't that great idea. I give up on it right away and move on to something else. So that's the one thing where, you know, I think entrepreneurs get really excited about their company mm-hmm. or their product, mm-hmm. um, but don't let that blind you because really, as we've proven, it's not about any one product. And we started, you know, with basically a pop top vial that, you know, is less than one half of 1% of our sales mm-hmm. today. You got to be adaptive to, to where the opportunities are pivot the business and take advantage of that. And don't don't be too married to any one product or idea. That's a great piece of advice. Thank you for sharing that. Nick, it's been super fun. And I wish we had more time. Thanks for joining us here on Accelerate OC for sharing so much. I mean, you know, there's always that that fear that some people have of, hey, I'm the CEO of a public company. I can only say what my IR or marketing folks will allow me. And and I appreciate your honesty and your, you know, just your candor and and sharing and your commitment to doing it here in Orange County as well. You're definitely doing your part to accelerate OC. Well, you're doing your part as well. And uh, I'm glad we got to do this. Hopefully we'll get to do one again sometime soon. Sounds good. You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at accelerateoc.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's accelerate OC together. 